Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Trucking 101, surviving your first year with host Melissa Grimm. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real-world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers. Now it's time for everyone's favorite DOT officer. 23 years in law enforcement, 7 years as a commercial transport officer. He was a CBSA instructor and has conducted thousands of roadside inspections. He now serves in the driver's side of our industry, Mr. Dale Howard. Good evening and welcome to this week's Compliance Corner. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in, or for tuning in. And uh, don't forget, if you want to jump into the conversation, push one, and uh, we'll get your call screened and and uh, get to your questions. Hey, tonight I thought we would talk about drug testing and drug screening. I think everybody has probably seen that ugly video that's floating around Facebook where the uh, nurse was arrested for not allowing an officer to draw blood. And there was a lot of comments on, uh, you know, Facebook floating around on, uh, you know, the FMCSA requirement. So I thought we'd talk about that tonight. And uh, I really don't want to get into what the officer did or how he handled it because it's still under investigation and you know what nothing good is going to come out of this deal but uh, I will talk about the program you know the drug testing program and and uh, just one point to the detective's defense and I certainly don't from what I've seen condone how this was handled but there was a phone call made to a superior officer and it was a superior officer who gave the order. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just a bad deal and doesn't paint law enforcement in a good picture. Having said that, there's more, way more good guys out there than there is bad guys. So not to worry. So, you have been in an accident and there's a fatality or there looks like there may be a fatality. Post-accidents, and this is from the FMCSA regulation, oh, number, find it here, 382, part 40, and 49 or through 49 that goes through the drug testing program and uh, a CDL driver must be drug and alcohol tested 
whenever they involve whenever they are involved in a fatal accident or receive a traffic citation resulting from the injury or a vehicle disabling accident the alcohol test must occur within 8 hours and the drug test must occur within 32 hours now that's the carrier's responsibility so if you've been involved in an accident it's your carrier is going to uh, get you into a uh, facility to be tested to meet their requirements their obligations under the FMCSA regulation now law enforcement uh, whoever the agency and whoever the officer is that's investigating the accident is going to make a determination on whether or not he believes that he has reasonable and probable grounds to suspect that your operate your ability to operate a commercial motor vehicle has been impaired by drugs or alcohol and if he makes that determination or there's that suspicion then he's going to get a uh, DUI trained officer to uh, assist him with the investigation they're going to conduct some uh, field sobriety tests and make a determination on the next course of action now if you don't want to participate in that then now is a good time to call a lawyer because to uh, quote Jackie Gleason you and a heap of trouble boy so you really you know the FMCSA has their own rules that your carrier has to follow and uh, law enforcement investigating the accident has their own rules and uh, just so you're aware uh, the uh, limit the blood alcohol limit for a commercial driver is 0 0.04 it does not take much to get you to 0 0.04 so you know what if you're if you're driving you just don't need to be drinking really if you're on your 36 hour reset and you want to do whatever you want to do knock your socks off but you know it's it's this is your livelihood and I don't think a beer or a drink with dinner is that important to your livelihood agree disagree push one and let's talk about that so it's uh, drug use is uh, going to be a problem uh, there's more and more states that are legalizing marijuana and the uh, TCH level in today's marijuana is just so much more potent than it was when I was growing up God, I sound old but uh, yeah you know what when I uh, when I grew up in in the drug culture you know the dope just wasn't that great and uh, you know now the uh, TCH level is just so potent that your ability to operate a vehicle is severely distorted if you're smoking marijuana and again right or wrong onto the federal level 
it's still illegal. So even if the state says it's legal, the feds say it ain't. And if you're driving a commercial motor vehicle crossing state lines, it's illegal. Uh, A lot of carriers are using hair follicle testing, and there's a big push to uh, do away with the urine test and adopt the uh, hair follicle testing. And a hair follicle test will detect drug use way longer than uh, the the bottle. If you're a recreational drug user, you need to be aware of that. And there's nothing saying that your carrier can't pull you in for a random drug test on their own if they've got suspicions and give you the hair follicle test. So it's just best if you're not buzzed while you're driving because it's it's as bad as alcohol impairment. You know, we're herding 80,000 pounds down the road and we've got a responsibility to the public and our fellow drivers not to make this industry look any worse than it already looks. So let's not give the special interest groups any more ammunition by uh, doing foolish things while we're out driving. Again, if you want to jump into the debate, push one, and uh, and we'll get you screened. I got some, co- the, I got some uh, questions for you, Dave. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's see. It was This was texted to me. Uh, so what is the guy's right uh, in the case? Hit by... Um, so he was hit by a uh, subject fleeing in the uh, you know in the high speed chase. Therefore, um, where would the suspicion be? We might have lost Dale. I don't know. His signal might have gone out. It didn't say that he's dropped, yep. but. Yeah, it may have. I'm trying to get my headset to hook here. Let's see if I can get him back. Hold on. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens? I'm telling you. I just love cell phones. Oh, I know. It's, it's so wonderful. I mean, I can, you know... I'll be sitting in a parking lot doing the show and drop the call. It's oh, there we are. Yeah. Okay. Got I'm back. All right. All right. Did, did you, you hear, hear any of my questions? No. Oh. Uh-oh. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Be patient. Bear with us. Cell signals are a wonderful thing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Are you there, Daryl? I'm back. I'm here. Okay. Okay. Did you hear Russell's question? Sorry about that. I did. 
it's uh, it's got to be all the smoke in the air here, folks. I'm up in uh, yeah. Alberta, Canada, and Montana's on fire. The Pacific Northwest is on fire, and it is just oh, it's ugly up here. But yeah, the uh, the driver in this case was, you know, he's truly the victim, and the hospital had a policy in place that if you were unconscious and unable to give consent, then you required a warrant. For whatever reason, they didn't go down that road. And that's when it got ugly, Your Honor. And, yeah, the uh, turns out this poor driver was a reserve deputy for the Rigby uh, Idaho Sheriff's Office. So, you know, he's a law enforcement op- officer as well. And, yeah, it's uh, what should have taken place is, you know, a warrant. Uh, in my jurisdiction, when I was on the job, we, uh, you know, it wasn't that tough to go get a warrant. Uh, they had a, uh, you know, back in the good old days, you'd have to uh, go wake up a judge and do up all the paperwork, and it was quite time-consuming. And then you had to go find a judge, get get the warrant signed, make your case, get the warrant signed, and then go back and execute it. Uh, now, uh, in my jurisdiction, we have what they call a telewarrant. So I do everything up and uh, call this 800 number, and there's a judge on call, and uh, you made your case, and uh, they would either give you a warrant or tell you tell you to come back when you've got more evidence. So in this day and age, it's I don't know why they just didn't go get a warrant. Well, that was my um, yeah, that was my concern because uh, you know without a warrant, um, you know uh, really, I mean he had to give consent. Now, I mean if yes, he hadn't have been the victim here, you know, with all my years of uh, uh, you know working EMS, you know we had to have consent for just about anything, you know, unless well, law enforcement was involved and there was a warrant. Yeah, and it's. You know, with him being unconscious, you know, as soon as he's, you know, conscious, whoever he's driving for, you know, he has to go through the, uh, you know, he has to uh, have a drug test within the 32 hours. Chances are he's not going to make the 72 hours or the uh, the eight hours for the breath test. But it's, uh, you know, it was a high-speed chase. It was a collision you know, everybody's, it's a chaotic scene, and yeah, the heat of the moment kind of kind of got away, I think. But if you're, you know, if you're conscious, then, and a uh, and law enforcement thinks that you're uh, impaired, then you get the, uh, you get the roadside sobriety test, and, uh, you know, a, usually a DUI trained trooper will uh, 
will take over and you get the roadside sobriety test you'll uh you'll be given a demand to uh, provide a breath sample on a roadside screening device if they think that you're uh, impaired by alcohol and then uh if you uh if you fail that then you go back for the breathalyzer and it's uh in my jurisdiction if you refused the test like we we had a demand that we had to read that uh you know I Dale Howard a peace officer appointed in the province of Alberta to hereby believe that on reasonable and probable grounds that your ability to operate a motor vehicle is impaired by alcohol. Therefore, I demand that you provide samples of your breath suitable for analysis and an approved screening device and that you accompany me for the purpose of such a test. So if you refused, then the next section of the criminal code you were charged with failing or refusing to provide a sample and it was just the penalties were were the same as if you uh if you failed the test so uh if you refused to blow then i had to make my case based on you know the evidence that i had and my observations you know there was a strong odor of of liquor from your breath because alcohol, there is no order of alcohol. It has to be liquor. And, uh, you know, slurred speech, unsteady on your feet, bloodshot eyes, you know, fumbled through your uh, billfold looking to produce documents, and you uh, uh, went past your driver's license on six different occasions. You know, while I was following the vehicle, you crossed the uh, fog line five different times and went into the oncoming lane three times, and and you just go by that that evidence that you're going to give uh, if they fail to produce a sample, you know. And again, it's a uh, it's a Class B felony to have alcohol in a commercial vehicle. So if you roll up on an accident and there's beer cans or wine bottles or whiskey bottles in the cab of the truck chances are your day is not going to go well. So you can't have alcohol in a commercial vehicle unless it's on a manifest and a bill of lading and cargo. So don't be stopping on the way home and picking up a six-pack for the weekend. That's what your personal vehicle's for. And don't try and play the... uh, I'll drop my trailer and I'll bobtail to the liquor store on personal conveyance because you're not going to win that battle. The uh, There's an interesting uh, case here, in uh, which is kind of unique in Alberta. Uh, we share a uh, vehicle inspection station with the state of Montana. So there's, there's Montana trained officers and Montana officers in the uh, Coots Alberta vehicle commercial vehicle inspection station. People that buy duty-free alcohol are still in the United States of America when they take possession of that alcohol. And the Montana officers are not above charging you. Because you buy that in the U.S. and they hand it to you while you're in the U.S., 
and you're in possession of it when you are in the United States of America. The duty-free guy doesn't follow you until you come into Canada. So, you know, just don't have alcohol in a commercial vehicle. Mm-hmm. And again, whether or not I agree with that policy, it's way above my pay grade. Yeah. Anything else, Russ? Uh, no, I think that was it. That was uh, that was a question that was texted to me. Um, it also said that he was a. Uh, it looks like he was a reserve police officer. That still, if he's, he was an operation of a commercial vehicle, that shouldn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah, no, he was a uh, he was a reserve officer with the uh, Rigby, Idaho, uh, department, and uh, just doing this on his on his part time, you know, on his off time, and just just like I did when I was on the job. So, yeah, it's, uh, I wish him a speedy recovery. And, uh, yeah, I, I hope this ends well, but I don't think it will. Hmm. Hey, another, uh, another thing. Don't, uh, don't forget to push one if you want to jump into the uh, conversation, but, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to be uh, snow season here soon. And for oh, don't, those say of us that that dr- don't say that word. Don't say that word. Well, I'm sorry to have to use the S word, but and those in the Pacific Northwest oh. are really looking forward to it. But September yeah. the 30th, we got to start carrying tire chains. And uh, if you're running I-70 in Colorado, heading over Vail, the 1st of September, you have to have tire chains. So... Anybody that's heading that way, uh, it is a uh, it is an offense, and uh, they will write tickets for that. So if you uh, if you travel that road, make sure you got uh, enough chains for uh, what you need. And uh, for all our new drivers that uh, have come in to the industry uh, since last winter, you know it's. Uh, Get a hold of your maintenance department or your safety department. And uh, if you've never chained up a truck, pick some time and chain one up in the in the parking lot at the terminal with some help. They're going to give you give you some advice, and they're going to help you out. And when you're spun out halfway up Snoqualmie Pass and there's a trooper standing behind you tapping his foot while he's starting to write tickets is not a good time to learn this skill. So you want to, uh, you want to just throw a set of chains on once in the good weather, just to make sure that you're, you understand how to do it and you're comfortable doing it. Cause every year there's at least two or three drivers if not more, that are killed chaining up. So you just don't want to spend any time, you know, messing around with tire chains in the traffic. Um, you know, the uh, the left side of the vehicle, we refer to that as the kill zone. And, uh, yeah, you just, uh, you just want to get in, get chained up, and 
get mobile and get out of there. And uh, for those of you who are uh, seasoned and been out here a time or two, pull your chains off the rack and, uh, you know, now's a good time to uh, do an inspection and make sure that, uh, you know, you haven't got any broken cross links and your side rail's in good shape and, uh, you know, everything's, uh, everything's in one piece because when, uh, when the chain light's on, and uh, you're required to have them, that's just not a great time to uh, find out that uh, you've got some uh, some problems and some damaged equipment. And like I say, September the 30th is uh, when you uh, are required to uh, carry them in... Uh, most jurisdictions other than Colorado where you have to have them on right now. So, like I say, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but winter is a-coming. Uh, good news, auto socks are now legal everywhere. So if, uh, if your company supplies auto socks, the uh, all the jurisdictions will recognize those now and the uh, trick to them is uh, get them on get up the hill and get them off if you're uh, if you spend any time sitting then they'll freeze down into the pavement and when you go to go to leave you just wreck them and they're destroyed so don't be dallying So what kind of equipment should we be carrying in our trucks for winter, Dale? Well, you know, it's uh, it's not too late to, uh, or not too early to uh, put together a winter bag. And uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, uh, an old duty bag that I put together with uh, my uh, snow boots, pair of insulated coveralls, my... Uh, furry hat that I forgot to turn back in when I left the job, a uh, balaclava, furry gloves, and uh, extra socks, and a uh, sweater. I keep all that uh, bundled up in a bag, and uh, in the spring I take it out of the truck, and in the fall I throw it in the truck, and uh, if uh, the weather goes sideways and I'm stuck, then... uh, I've at least got warm, dry clothes. It's a good idea to have a, uh, we call it up here, a 72-hour bag. And uh, you really need to be able to have enough provisions to survive for 72 hours. Then uh, in Wyoming, you know, it's nothing to be sitting out on a freeway for uh, two or three days. If uh, if the weather goes sideways and uh, you're stuck out there, you know, they're going to do their best to get to you. But, uh, you know, if it's a blizzard and the storm's are blowing and it's just not safe to uh, to go out and get you, then you are on your own. So you need warm clothes so you don't freeze to death. And uh, you need water and food to survive for 72 hours. 
it's uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I always keep. Uh, uh, go, go ahead, Dale. No, sorry. It's all yours. Oh, right? oh you can go ahead. Oh, oh it's all me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I always keep. Um, uh, you know, water uh, in the truck, um, and usually in a small cooler. You know, that'll help keep it from freezing. Um, and then, you know, a bunch of little uh, stuff that, uh, you know, that's not going to perish, a bunch of food that won't perish um, inside the truck, you know, nuts and um, snack bars, stuff like that, kind of, I'm a, you know, kind bars and so on and so forth. Um, but a little stuff that's not going to perish, yeah, just in case I am out on the road. I know uh, there was a few times that, uh, Becky and I got caught in uh, crap out in uh, Wyoming and what have you. Now, we didn't have to sit out there forever, but, I mean, we did sit out there for, you know, a good amount of time while they would clear the road or, or what have you. So, you know, it was nice to have uh, uh, the food in the truck, um, you know, candles just in case, you know, the truck quit, and then we would we could actually crack the windows just a little bit, but it did uh, produce, you know, a little bit of heat. And, um, you know, if we if we needed to, we could even cook with them. So yeah, uh, you know and that's uh, yeah. The candles are a great idea. You know what? And you go to uh, uh, Cabela's or uh, Bass Pro. You know they've all got those survival candles, and uh, yeah, it's amazing the amount of heat that they throw. And the biggest thing is just don't panic and stay with the truck because it's uh, you know you might think that. Those lights are not that far, but uh, you uh, you go out in a blizzard and uh, start trekking through the uh, through the great wild to uh, a set of lights that either isn't there or you know can be a ba- an abandoned place that the lights are still on and nobody's home. And best case scenario, you make it there. Worst case scenario is uh, you're, you're off for the big sleep. So stay with the truck, and, you know, help will eventually show up. But, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't be venturing off. And, yeah, you need something there for 72 hours. The uh, high-protein yeah, energy bars are, are great to have in there. They don't take up a lot of room. And, uh, you know, that little 72-hour bag will uh, just sit up on a top shelf and, uh, yeah, it's there when you need it and, and hopefully you never, ever have to use it. Oh, absolutely. I, You know, I keep a ton of blankets and stuff in here. Of course, I've got, you know, some cold-weather gear, um, you know, in the truck. Uh, you know, luckily I've never been stuck where I, you know, couldn't run an APU or couldn't idle the truck or, you know, whatever to, you know, to stay warm. But I always have the stuff in here. When when wintertime comes around, I mean, I've got a pile of blankets that I throw in the truck. You know, I I get them rolled up, and I've got some nice wool blankets and uh, some regular blankets and even blankets for the dog, you know. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Keep keep the dog covered up. Um, You know, because, you you know, you just – you just never know, and uh, you know this uh, all this equipment with the latest and greatest technology is. Uh, we all know how reliable that is, and uh, just uh, 
while I was chatting with Melissa before the show, my uh, throw cash at the dealer light popped on. So, you know, you just can't rely on this stuff to stay running. And when cold weather hits and you get a dose of bad fuel, uh, you can be... uh, you can be out there on your own for a while. So make sure that you're dry and you're warm. And uh, you know what? Being prepared is like uh, going down the uh, going down the hill too slow. You can always be prepared and you can always go down that hill too slow. But you're only going to be ill-prepared or go down that hill once way too fast. So better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, I actually broke one of uh, Snyder's cardinal rules. Um, I was a company driver. I'll tell you how long ago it was. I was in a cab over, and I was coming through Wyoming, and um, I I saw a car on the shoulder that had um, a young lady and some kids in it. And it was below zero. It, we were in the negatives. And put my truck on the side of the shoulder, and I was happy. You know, this was still early, early in the cell phone days and what have you, and didn't have any real good cell phone signal out there. Uh, she couldn't get a hold of anybody and what have you. I put her in the cab of my truck, and I drove her to the next town, which was yep. a big no-no. I put her and the kids. But I, you know what? Uh, hey, if they had fired me, I, w- I would have been fired with a clear conscience. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? And that's that's a hill I would die on. And you yeah. just can't leave you know, if you're if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you know, in the wintertime I don't get real brave on taking shortcuts and little two lane little highways at night. Uh it's just you know, stay on the big roads and you know, at least at least there's traffic around and there's a chance that uh that somebody's going to help you out but uh yeah in the winter time you know please don't be afraid to pull over and help somebody out because it's you know that could be you or your family sitting there freezing to death and you know what 99% of the carriers if you explain what you did and why you did it are going to be totally fine with it because you're going to get some great PR. And if you saved a family and you got fired for it, they did you a tremendous favor because you're working for the wrong outfit. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, don't, uh, you know, we're all, you know, we're all kind of new at this and, you know, everybody's kind of scared and, well, God, you know, company policy says. Well, yeah, company policy says, but when it's 40 below and the snows are swirling and, you know, there's a car off in the off in the weeds, you know, stop and help. And if nothing else, you know, kick out your triangles and leave your triangles there and just do something. And uh, let's let this industry look a little better than what it does. And you never know when you're just not going to save a life. Uh, I responded to an incident. Well, we got called out back in the day because we didn't do 24-hour coverage. And uh, 
a young couple had gone out for a nice romantic drive and it was a nice clear night and there was a little romantic rendezvous and a storm blew in and we got the call about five o'clock in the morning a farmer had been out checking some cattle and he thought he saw some lights but he wasn't sure well the wind is howling it is literally 47 degrees below zero with a wind chill and if somebody's out wandering around you know all we're going to do is find bodies so it's pitch black we're not going to do anything until daylight so daylight came and uh, we're out looking for this vehicle and I'm driving down a gravel road and sure as heck here's a car down a cut line so get out of my car get all bundled up and I'm walking through thigh deep snow and I get up and this car is running I open the door and here's a young couple in there and his eyes are real big and her eyes are even bigger and I looked at the fuel gauge and there was less than an eighth of a tank of gas she had a short skirt on that was cut fairly high and a low cut low cut frilly blouse and that was the extent of her wardrobe he was in jeans sneakers and a t-shirt so I carried her back to the police car and he got to follow in the snow and they uh, you know she was so grateful and but boy you know we can't spend another night here and I thought you know another four hours that car quits you'd have been gone for the big sleep you wouldn't have been spending the night in that car so you freeze to death that quick so you know be careful out there and don't screw around in winter you know we've had a, a abnormal heat out here in the west and nobody's really thinking of winter but it's uh september the 7th and uh we're not far away so just tuck that away and and start making preparations for winter time and and you won't be surprised yep uh we actually have a comment on the line we have colin in i think it's louisiana we'll bring colin on hi colin you're hey, on here hey colin Welcome Hi, to the show. How are you gentlemen tonight? Great, thanks. What can we help you out with? Well, I just wanted to throw a couple things in, you know, back in the, uh, a long time ago now, <laughs> 20 plus years ago, you know, we were running the old caterpillars and that, and I always had an old coat hanger, and uh, I always had cans of Denny Moore stew, and I always had cans of tomato soup or whatever, and always you could not pull my truck in the shop without finding a can of stew and a can of soup <laughs> why it tied around the muffler the, the exhaust manifold because there's nothing like sitting on the bottom of snow quality in seattle waiting for them to lift the chain restriction or wait for some idiot to chain up you pop your hood and you take a dirty sock you slide it around a can of stew and Open it up, you take your spoon, and there's dinner, you know. You're the only person with a nice, hot, warm dinner, you know, and some some crackers or something, you know. And uh, 
I, I remember yeah, those uh, days, Colin, and I actually did that when I was running heavy equipment. You know, that was, uh, yeah, tuck, uh, tuck a can up on the exhaust manifold, and an hour later, dinner was served. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong, you know. And I don't run any new trucks. I've looked at a few of them, and I'm like, man, I don't know where you'd put it. I guess you could put it up there if you were parked and wire tie it and let it sit for a couple hours on top of the engine or something and warm something up to eat. But the other thing I always carry, too, I mean, I run a lot of Canada. I used to run a lot of Canada and that. And uh, we always carried, a like, a folding shovel. Because it's amazing what a folding shovel, you find some gravel somewhere, get you out of a hole, um, cat litter, and then uh, a couple gallons of bleach. So you can throw some bleach on those tires and it'll just help them grab that little bit extra, you know. You know what, And the kitty litter, thank you very much for reminding me of that. You know, that stuff is just gold. It uh, it doesn't take up a lot of room. And... Uh, I don't know how many times I'd uh, drop a trailer in a dock and you'd go in and do a live unload. And, you know, those nice warm tires have settled down into that nice, cold, compact snow, and there you sat. And, yeah, yep. a, couple of handful of ki- a couple of handfuls of kitty litter, and, and away you go. A good habit to oh. get into at night when you, uh, when you go to park is... Uh, you know the snow is uh, the snow's in the parking lot. Get settled down, do whatever paperwork that uh, you need to do, and uh, before you're uh, before you're ready to go to bed, just uh, release all your brakes, poke the truck in gear, and uh, pull ahead a foot or back up a foot. And uh, it's amazing, you know you've you'll have just climbed out of a little a little rut that those nice hot tires have melted down into and you're just going to save yourself a whole lot of aggravation in the uh, in the morning yeah that was what i was gonna i mean i always used to go six or eight feet backwards and yep. forwards a few times just so that you've got that compacted down good and solid uh definitely like you say before you go to bed even after half an hour, an hour of sitting there, you need to rock that truck backwards and forwards because otherwise you're getting out with a bar and a hammer and you're crawling underneath that thing in the morning because your brakes are froze solid because the spray from the road and the water got on the brake drums and the shoes and, you know, so you got to make sure you keep that stuff freed up. Best way to do it is rock the truck, move the truck a few feet, and do it every hour or two until you're ready to go to bed, and you're good to go, you know. You don't have, you can sit there and watch everybody else in the morning, you drive off, and it'll be a nice time Absolutely. Helping, you know. But well, the and, other thing, too, and, the other thing, too, that, um, I don't know, I've driven so much in ice and snow across the northwest and Canada, and couple of years ago when we had bad snow in Dallas, I was hauling tanker. I always run in the middle of the night. I don't run during the day because in the middle of the night the roads are set up and it's a hell of a lot safer than it is driving on ice with water on top. But when you are the only truck out there in the middle of the road uh, running down the interstate, I always 
run the center line because the interstate has a camber on both ways, both sides to run the water off. And so if you're running in the right lane, you're constantly pulling the wheel to the left. And I was going from West Texas to Dallas, and I blew by all these trucks and moved back into the center lane, and they got on the CB, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? What the hell are you doing? I said, how do your arms feel? And they're like, they're sore than hell. And I said, well, get out and get behind me. Uh, this guy, he'd driven for 30 years, and he never run the center line. But once you get you run the center line, you've got even camera on both sides. And so you're not trying to pull the truck and keep the truck up on the road. Plus, if something does happen... You've got extra space on both sides, you know. I don't no, know if you guys have done that. Yeah, absolutely great tip. So, you know, and and another thing, uh, you know, just to uh, elaborate a little bit more on your frozen brakes. Uh, I always keep a uh, tire crayon in my uh, oh, toolbox, yeah. and uh, first thing in the morning before I leave. I will uh, take that crayon, and I'll just draw a line on the uh, face of the trailer tires, get back up in the truck, yeah. release my brakes, and I'll drive ahead a foot, and then get back out and have a look. And if that, uh, if that line you've drawn hasn't moved, then you've got a frozen wheel. And just to uh, put that into perspective, uh, the carrier I used to... Uh, have my truck leased on to a major carrier in Western Canada here. Uh, usually they, they spend over $10,000 a season in skidded tires. Oh yeah. So oh, let's, you, uh, let's do our part. We used to have and, something that, we used to have something that actually stuck out the side of the rim a little bit. So when you put yes. underneath one lug nut, uh, that way, it was a hell of a lot easier than crayon because you could actually see it rotating. And uh, that's how we always used to check that the, all the wheels were turning. And uh, then you got to make sure, too, though, that, you know, when you pull out, it's easy to see on the driver's side, but you got to make sure you turn a little bit. you got your mirrors adjusted, right, so you can watch the tires on the back of the trailer to make sure they're there actually turn it because if you got a light load and uh, you're heavy on your drives you can drag that ass into that trailer and you'd never know it you know oh well and you just get a set of tires off and and that's where yeah that's why i like the crayon you get out make a mark move ahead a foot get back out have a look it takes no time at all and nobody will ever yell at you for skidding a set of tires Yeah, uh, we got uh, another person on the line that's got a winter fueling tip. We got Bruce in Kansas. Hi, Bruce, you're on the air. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Hey, thank you. Hey, uh, a couple things about fuel. Number one, you were talking about having a 72-hour survival kit with water and food. You also should have your tanks topped off as often as possible because if you got to wait 72 hours on a rescue on the side of a highway, your engine's going to be idling for 72 hours, and they will burn a gallon an hour minimum in zero weather or below, especially if you've got to Good. speed it up a little bit to 
to keep the engine from running cold. Yeah, great tip. Uh, yeah, you know, in the wintertime, a guy should always be topped off. And uh, another thing I like to uh, have in my in my little prepared kit, I've got uh, two jugs of that diesel 911. Uh, yeah. When it gets cold and, and a guy fights that crappy biodiesel, I've had that save my bacon more than once. Another south to north incrementally move north with with truck stop fuel because typically the truck stops are heated for the temperature that they expect their local customers to be in and so yes. if you buy fuel in Houston, Texas and go to Winnipeg you're going to gel up because typically Texas not Yeah, Bruce is losing signal, but uh, I know what he was saying. Um, basically, uh, you want to get fuel in the north in the wintertime because they're going to treat their fuel as opposed to in the south where they're not going to treat their fuel. And you know what? For the new drivers out there, find out what your carrier's policy is on uh, you know fuel supplements. And, and yeah, it's... Uh, oh, I hate fighting that battle, trying to keep things running when you've got fuel gelling up and and uh, when you're parking at night in truck stops don't nose the truck into the wind try and uh, try and keep the uh, you know your butt to the wind and it just makes keeping the engine and keeping the truck warmer so that uh, you stay warmer and uh, you uh, just avoid a lot of those problems yeah, let let me try Bruce one more time. See if he had anything else he wanted to add. Let's see if the signal came back. Hey, Bruce, can you hear me? Yes. One of a friend who runs a truck shop in Central Kansas, and he had it. He's the radiator. Well, they had okay. straight. Yeah, I wish we could hear him. It sounded like he had something good to say, but he keeps uh, he keeps blinking out. Oh, sorry, Bruce. You're... Let me. Uh, yeah, I'll give him another minute. Maybe, maybe we can uh, pick up some signal. The cellular gods, please smile kindly on Bruce. Yeah. Well, while we're waiting on Bruce to pick up some signal, we got about uh, nine minutes uh, left in the show. Did we uh, leave anything out when it came to getting ready for winter? You know, it's uh, uh, tire pressure. And uh, entire condition is uh, is pretty important, and uh, I know Mike Beckett will harp on that uh, on Sunday show. But uh, yeah, you know now is the time to uh, start having a real good look at our equipment and making sure we're ready for winter. Because you know now is the time when the weather's nice to uh, to make sure that our our equipment is up to speed and. Uh, you know, if you're if you're running a dedicated truck and trailer, then uh, don't be afraid to uh, put your coveralls on and get under and and give everything a real good look now when the weather's warm, and take care of the little issues. And uh, you know, I know Melissa, you guys do a lot of dropping hooks, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that the truck is is uh, ready to go and and it's ready for winter, and. Uh, Every time you hook up to a trailer, 
make sure that uh, you know all the lights are working on the trailer, and because uh, it's getting darker earlier, and uh, take that tire chalk and uh, make sure all the wheels are turning before you uh, before you leave the yard. Absolutely. Uh, you want to know what my plan for the winter is? This is my preparedness plan. You ready for it? I'm ready. I'm headed down south to I-10. Got <laughs> a girl. When I win the lottery, <laughs> I am never going north of Interstate 10 until June. Exactly. Yep, that's my plan. I got caught on uh, Donner's last year and had to chain up and just goes against everything I believe in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, you know, we were the weather, yeah. You know, the weather's going to turn, and uh, and I know it doesn't seem like it now, but you know, now is the time to, you know, be prepared and and start getting the stuff ready because when it hits, it'll hit with a vengeance, and if you're not ready, you're gonna get your butt kicked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, we were running dedicated one winter from Colorado to Washington State, and we chained up 12 times in Oregon. Oh, oh. terrible. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But you got good at it, though. Yeah, I had it down to a science. You know, that's kind of like drywalling. It's a skill that you just never want to get that good at. Right. But again, you know, when all the new drivers out there, all the new drivers out there, please, you know, get a hold of your maintenance guys or safety and compliance and, and get them to go over chaining up and know what their policies are. A lot of carriers don't want you chaining up, and I'm good with that. Just, uh, you know, start uh, start getting in the habit of checking your weather app, where you're going, and seeing, uh, seeing what the weather's doing because soon enough, it's uh, it's going to be winter. Yeah, when Becky and I were uh, teaming, you know, they expected us to keep moving. And you know, I got to where I wouldn't even wake her up. You know, I could throw a set of chains on the truck and the trailer 30, 45 minutes tops. I, you know, I mean, we had done it so much that year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a... That's a I, I tell you what, I haven't, uh, I, well, I, I can't say that. I, t- I take it back, I got stuck, and I did have to throw a set of chains to get out. But uh, I try real hard uh, not to throw chains. I'm allergic to them. Well, and, and, and a good rule of thumb is chains are to get you out of trouble you should have been smart enough not to get into in the first place. And yep. it's, you know, if I have to, I'll put a set of chains on to climb a hill, you know, like Donner's. I'm dropping down into Sacramento, and and I know the weather's a lot better there. But you know, I begrudgingly did that. But I'm not sure that I'd throw a set of chains on in Oregon to climb over cabbage, only to throw on another set of chains to get over the next hill to get down the other side to take them off to drive half an hour to throw them back on to get over the next hill. You know what? It's tomorrow's a new day, and it's just, you know, every time you're throwing chains on, you're putting yourself in a bad spot. And, you know, really, any load that arrives on its wheels in the wintertime is on time. Communicate with your dispatch. 
and you know let them know that road conditions are not that great and you know what i'm calling her a day till tomorrow till i feel comfortable and again make sure that you've got that line of communication open and don't uh you know don't surprise them but you know let them know that you just don't feel comfortable and tomorrow's a new day it's not uh, mm-hmm. there's no load that's worth your life or the equipment yeah and if they try to when pressure I, you into driving you know what uh yeah it's your license mm-hmm. and it's your life yeah it's your when i exactly uh, when i exactly. when i first started uh well, I bought my first truck. I was 19 years old, just just getting ready to turn 20. I had to wait a year before I could drive in the U.S. And uh, the owner of the company took me aside and said, you know what, it's a lot easier to phone a customer and tell them their freight is going to be a day late than it is to phone that customer and tell them their freight is upside down and we have no idea how much of it we're going to salvage. And I'll never forget that, you know, never... Uh, Never more wisdom was spoken, and uh, John Rutek, rest his soul, was was just a great guy to work for, and and had a great philosophy, and and it was his saying that anything that arrives on its wheels is on time. Mm-hmm. If you don't mind, Dale, I'll finish up with a quick story on not succumbing to uh, pressure. We were on a really good, dedicated run, paid fantastic. I mean, it was phenomenal money. But we had to run in the Northwest in the wintertime, which was fine because they were supposed to be okay with us parking when it snowed. When it snowed, we were supposed to be able to park. Okay, fine. So a really bad storm rolled through. Um, Not last winter, but the winter before. And I'm sure it had a name. I just can't remember what it is, but it was a bad one. And basically... When we started out, we couldn't drive at night. We had to do all of our driving during the day because the roads were that bad and we couldn't see no visibility. And then we got up to Idaho, and we couldn't even drive in the daytime because you had all those passes up there, and they were so covered, and the chain law was out and everything. We just didn't feel comfortable driving, especially since we only had 3,000 pounds in the trailer. So, you know, obviously that didn't help. So, I mean, we were saying that we couldn't make it in, and they were pressuring us. They were saying, you have to get there. You're going to shut down an assembly line. And we're just like, I'm sorry, we just don't feel safe driving. And we felt real, real pressure to drive from these people. And uh, we did the load as we felt safe doing it. We got it in. We felt like we could. And then after that, we, uh, we quit the run. We said, we're not going to do it anymore. We don't feel that you guys are have our safety in mind, so we're going to move on to something else. You know, and that's and that's 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 how that needs to be done. You communicated, they pushed, and you just have to draw that line in the sand. Going, you know what? Clint Eastwood said it, said it the best in one of the Dirty Harry movies. Yeah, guts to know your limitations, and I have exactly. so much respect for anybody that says, you know what, I don't feel good about this. And again, the uh, I was leased to a major carrier, and at one of their safety meetings, they spelled it out the best. And there was experience all around the table from one year to 30 years. And, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years now, off and on. And my experience level, and 
you know, my agency spent a lot of money on my driver training. So, you know, my level of comfort in the wintertime is going to be way different than your level of comfort. So don't feel that, you know, you're traveling with three or four trucks and they're all gung-ho and, and they all feel good to go. And if you don't feel good, you know, just remember that everybody's experience level is different and everybody's comfort level is different. And you are no less of a driver. And, and again, I have more respect for you when you say, you know what, I'm at my limits, I'm done. Tomorrow's a new day. And you get up in the morning, you're fresh. Plows have had a chance to get out and uh, work the roads. And everybody's safe. And that's what's important. And again, if you're getting a lot of pushback and a lot of pressure, then you need to ask yourself, self, am I at the right place to work? Because it's your life and nobody is going to thank you and tell you how much of a hero you are when the truck's upside down and there's claims and you're hurt. So please keep that in mind. I know we're out of time. Can I get away with telling a quick story? Yeah. Um, um, Snyder used to have a skid pad, and it was impressive. Uh, Matter of fact, um, Melissa's seen where it used to be. I mean, this thing was... Well, it was built for trucks. And, and uh, uh, when I was out training on the road, I would take um, take uh, my students over there and get them on the skid pad because we would actually bump the students that were in class. We could actually bump them uh, off the skid pad because they could do it another day. And they would put us on the skid pad. Anyway, I had, take, I had a Canadian driver. He had moved to the U.S., uh, so he's used to driving on snow and stuff, but anyway, got him out there on the skid pad, uh, got him trained. It was, a, it was only a few weeks later, maybe a month. I got a message on my Qualcomm from his dispatcher thanking me for taking him to the skid pad. Uh, he was driving somewhere in the Northeast, uh, on a two lane road. He was trying to get somewhere to get parked. Uh, the roads are starting to ice. A lady lost control, hit him in his drives, spun under his trailer. The trailer tires went over the car. The tandems went over the car. Anyway, he got stopped. There was a highway patrol DOT officer behind him when it happened. Anyway, they both run to the car. The woman is fine. They get her out. It's a miracle she lived through that. Uh, Anyway... She said, hey, the truck hit me. He said, no, it didn't. He said, you hit the truck and spun under him, and he never got out of his lane Been through the whole accident. <laughs> but just just goes to show what, you know, training in this stuff can do. Abs- you know, absolutely. And, you know, we need to, uh, if you're not playing that shoulda, coulda, woulda game, then, uh, you know, you need to be doing that when you're driving down the road. You know, what am I going to do if things go south. What am I going to do if that car spins out in front of me? What am I going to do if that truck jackknifes in front of me? Come wintertime, you always need to have a plan B and somewhere to go. And, you know, adjust your speed accordingly. Uh, I don't know how many times I, uh, you know, went out and a truck's in the ditch and the rest of the traffic's fine, but 
this guy's in the ditch. Oh, the highways are slippery. Yeah, no, you're driving way too fast for conditions, and that's what the charge is. Yeah. And, you know, what's your defense? You know, all the other trucks are going by. They're not in the ditch. You're in the ditch. So, obviously, you're traveling too fast for the road conditions. So, bear that in mind. Yep. And on that note. we are over time. Yep. Thank you so very much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk more about wintertime in October. And uh, hopefully we've got another three or four months before it hits. But better be safe than sorry. Please, guys, stay safe, stay compliant, and uh, we'll catch you in October. Thank you, Dale.